How many of you prayed this morning? Let's take a moment and pray. Let's uh, sit up in your chair and, and put your body at attention. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And let's take 90 seconds and actually pray to God whatever personally you want to pray. Have a talk. One, two, three. Here he is. Go. Amen. Well done. Prayer, I think, about the most uh, basic activity in the life of faith. And it is the basic building block to the supernatural life. How many of you want to live a supernatural life? Yeah. What does it mean for you to live a supernatural life? Shout out your answers. What does it mean? You're going to live a supernatural life. You're going to be supernatural people. What does that mean? I'm sorry? Power? You hear God. You hear from God. If you're going to have a relationship with God, uh, then you're going to have to converse uh, with God. True that. Uh, and power, is that what you said? Brenda, power for? Power for miracles. You're going to do some miracles. Letting God live through you, that can mean a lot of things, but they're all awesome. Letting God live through you. Freedom, I like it. Being a supernatural person means freedom. I think being a supernatural person means being an unnatural person, but in a, but in a really good way. You know, we're not, we're not really hemmed in uh, by uh, the laws of the world. I think freedom uh, sort of gets to that. I want to be a supernatural person uh, because I got things to do as well. We, we believe uh, here at Blue Water Mission that to follow God means to trust God. Say amen if you're with me. We believe that trusting God means to try things actively in life. Amen. All right. Thank you. Speaking of trying things actively, I just, I mean, your support, your warmth, your passion is just overwhelming. Thank you. We believe that uh, the purpose of life is to have a life of purpose. Okay, I tell you, we're just going to start over. We're just going to completely start over. Here at Blue Water Mission, we believe that to follow God means to trust God. Thank you. We believe that trusting God means to try things actively in life. Thank you. We believe that the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Yes. We're getting weak. We believe that to be in the world means to try to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. 
It's a popular one. In other words, we're very busy. We're very busy people. Uh, we, got, we got a lot to do. Uh, God partners with us to get things done in the world. That's one of the main lessons of the Bible. God doesn't just appear in the sky and make stuff happen for relational reasons, for reasons of developing us. He partners with us. We are the foot soldiers in the kingdom of God. We are the workers in the field. The power comes from him, though. So although we partner with God to get things done, we are the workers in the field. It's not as if uh, God just leaves us alone without help. We get to ask him for help in this partnership, and uh, we do get his intervention. We get his wisdom downloads. We get his encouraging and his loving and his supernatural supernaturally empowering presence. And in fact, we're encouraged to get all of these things through prayer. We're encouraged to pursue prayer help. Prayer help. Pray help. They're both four-letter words, but in a good way. Pray help. Say it. Uh, so sometimes we need help to pray. The Bible, Bible makes a big deal out of prayer. We're doing a sermon series on just basic life lessons from the Bible, and the Bible makes a big deal about prayer. Getting people who are interested in God, getting people who are interested in living a life of purpose, getting people who are interested in being supernatural people to pray as a very basic activity. Jesus talked about prayer a ton, and we get to see Jesus pray a ton uh, in the Gospels, and the early Christian leaders who walked with Jesus on the earth and then developed the, uh, the first expression of the church on earth uh, repeatedly in their letters, the ones that we have in the Bible, encouraged God's people to pray, to pray unceasingly, to pray at all times, to pray on every topic, to pray for everyone. I mean, it's everywhere. Wherever, wherever you read in Scripture, uh, if you read for uh, very long at all, you're likely to find something about prayer. Jesus incited us to pray. He instructed us on how to pray. There's the example of the Lord's Prayer, which is the most uh, quoted piece of Scripture on earth. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is how we praise God oftentimes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the way that we get our mission straight, and it's the way that we stay straight about our mission Give us daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive other people. I mean, all the rich pillars of supernatural life are uh, encased in that prayer, so that's a good one. Uh, we read that Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer that was really uncommon, really kind of extreme. Uh, we are told in a couple different places in the Gospels that Jesus got up a great while before day, went away to a lonely place so that he could pray. He started his day with private prayer, which was not a common practice. Uh, in the religious community uh, that he was a part of in his day and age. And, and the disciples took note of this. Like, this guy is really weird when it comes to pray. He did it a great while before day, presumably because he was very busy. And that was the only time that he could go away by himself uh, to pray to, uh, to Father God. He tells great parables about prayer. The prayer of the persistent widow, about a widow who was seeking justice, some some economic and social justice for her state. Widows were single women were really mistreated uh, in that culture. Uh, and uh, it tells a story of a widow who went to an unsympathetic judge to get some help for her situation. And the judge didn't care at all about her, but because she persisted in nagging him, he relented and gave her justice. 
And Jesus said, pray like this. Pray with that kind of dogged persistence. And God, who is by no means unsympathetic, will help you. Just don't give up. Uh, One of my favorite promises about prayer comes from John chapter 15. Jesus makes an incredible promise uh, to his followers. He says, if you remain in me, if you get plugged into me, and if you let my words remain in you, if you really kind of follow my teachings, then ask God for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Can I just get a chihu? Would you, like, would you like a situation when you get to ask God for whatever you wish and it will be done for you? Three of you would. The rest of you would like air conditioning. Am I right? So let's just take a moment and pray for air conditioning right now. Ten seconds. Go ahead. Oh, Lord. Send your uh, holy wind through this temple. Yeah. Just make it cool, oh, Lord. All right. Well, I'm sure it will happen. Even if you have to pray in line with being plugged into Jesus and with Jesus' instructions, it's still really cool to, uh, to get whatever you ask for. That would be awesome. There are famous scenes of like Jesus' night of prayer in Gethsemane uh, before, uh, before uh, he was killed, betrayed and killed. He had to pray to kind of get his game on to make sure that he handled that really well. We're told as well that he prayed all through the night uh, before the day in which he chose his 12 disciples, one of whom was Judas. It was clear that Jesus had received information about Judas, uh, Judas's future betrayal while praying about him. Jesus prophesies about Judas's betrayal, got that information in prayer, presumably chose the guy anyway. A uh, great deal of faith and confidence in the purposes of God. Loads of examples in which we see Jesus pray for other things. He, he gave thanks over food. He thanks, he thanks God for, his Father God, for the, uh, the loaves and fishes. He says, thank you, and then passes them out to the people. And just in that thank you prayer is released enough power for a great miracle of provision, a supernatural miracle of provision. I could go on and on and on. Prayer is everywhere uh, in Scripture. And the disciples indeed observed something different about the way Jesus prayed. It was not the way that their culture prayed. And there's a verse about that in your program. It'll also be up on the big board. Uh, Kind of a famous uh, passage, or at least a version of a famous uh, passage from Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Um, Rabbis uh, made a point of instructing their followers to pray. And Jesus had not really instructed them on how to do it yet. He just did it. He modeled it for them. And the way he did it was so interesting. They're like, Lord, you got to teach us something because... Because the way you do it is kind of trippy, and it's obviously really important. So, you know, go rabbi on us and, and, and teach us how to pray. And he said to them, well, when you pray, say stuff like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. 
and lead us not into temptation. So this is just sort of Luke's version, the abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. So he gives them a little model for it. But then he goes further. He goes further. He doesn't just, he doesn't just tell them how to pray. He illustrates the attitude with which he wants us to pray. Then Jesus said to them, Hey, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Another friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, uh, Don't bother me, dude. That's my translation. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. You're going to wake up the kids. Shh. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you this, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, even though he's your friend, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I mean, the fact that you're bothering him in the middle of the night, that you're pestering him, will get him to, uh, to give you what you need, what you're after, even though he's really kind of upset about it. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There is a great memory verse. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Nice. Nice, fully characterized teaching on pray. First in it, I think Jesus instructs us on some good ways to pray, some good things to pray for. He said, you know, when you pray, worship God a little bit when you pray. That helps set things right. He says, uh, pray for the kingdom to come. Pray for God's order to be manifest on earth. Pray to change the world, in other words. Definitely you should be praying for that. He also gets really practical. Uh, pray for your daily bread. Don't pray for riches. Don't pray for a huge bank account. Just pray for what you need for today. Um, but, but do it confidently and daily. It'll be fine, Jesus says. Uh, pray through forgiveness. Uh, anything you need to be forgiven for. Anything you need to forgive other people for. We did a teaching on forgiveness a few weeks ago. No need to say more about that. Lead us not into temptation. Pray for for you know, moral protection and pray that you will do right and you will do faithfulness. All of those things are great things to pray for. But then Jesus goes further and he assures us that good things will come from our prayers. Particularly, good things will come from a style of prayer. And the style of prayer would probably best be described as uh, persistent, Audacious, shameless are words that come up in the text. I like that word, audacious. Due to your shameless audacity, uh, some of the translations put it. Audacity means you're overly bold. Like, you really, you really shouldn't be doing this, 
but you're going to do it anyway. Pray like that. And I, and I love that lesson because it's just so vintage Jesus. He makes these points that sound a little bit over the top, a little bit inappropriate. Like, hey, when you pray to God, pray in a way that you shouldn't really pray. Pray with an attitude that, in which you're just a little too full of yourself. That's how to do it. It's just vintage Jesus teaching, right? It's sort of shocking, uh, but in large part because it's shocking, it conveys a point. Like when you pray, don't be all religious about it. Be you. You know, this is a personal relationship after all. And you know, you know what friends are? Friends are the people that you kind of take advantage of in your life, right? That's how you should see God, Jesus says. It's just vintage Jesus. He said, so go to God in the same way you go to a friend who you're going to take advantage of. But then he finishes by saying this. But, you know, parenthetically, guys, truthfully, Father God is more generous than most of your friends. You know, an evil father, even a messed up dad, will feed his kid when the kid is hungry. God is better than that. So if, if you have the chutzpah, if you have the spirit, if you have the audacity to take advantage of a friend, if you have the audacity to ask your dad for something good, even though you know that your dad can be grumpy and, and out of sorts sometime, then how much more should you have audacity and shamelessness and eagerness and aggressiveness to ask God for what you need? It's just a wonderful teaching on prayer. Uh, it's a teaching on what I call prayer attitude. Everybody say prayer attitude. What is prayer attitude? Everybody think of a word. What is prayer attitude according to Jesus? Think, think, think. Now shout it out. One, two, three. If you shouted it out, yes, you have prayer attitude. If you didn't, you haven't understood the lesson yet. Okay, prayer is good. Prayer is all that. How many of you came in today knowing that you ought to pray in life? How many of you come in with the resolve that no matter what I did, you wouldn't raise your hand or participate in any way? We all know that we should pray. Uh, and, and we all know that Jesus was excited about prayer. If you know anything about Scripture, you've probably encountered this unless you're brand new to the whole thing. Uh, so, so the question is, you know, if prayer is all that, why don't we pray? Why don't you pray daily? What's your answer? Why don't you pray? Number one answer, too busy, right? We're too busy. That's, that's people's number one answer. That's my number one answer, why I don't pray or why I don't pray enough. Well, I'm just, I'm just too busy. And that is not the reason that we don't pray. The reason we don't pray regularly is because we don't think prayer does any good. That's why. That's why. If you're really busy and really hard-pressed in life and you, agree, and you believe that prayer was helpful, then you would definitely pray. Right? It's the super busy people that would definitely use prayer, dot, 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 if they thought it did any good. So that's the challenge. Do you or do you not believe that prayer does any good for you? And just think about that for a moment. Think about it for a moment. I think about it a lot. Do a serious personal inventory. We will stop for 20 seconds and let you think. Do you actually believe? I'm seriously. Not theologically, practically and meaningfully, do you actually believe that praying to God will be helpful? 
Think about it. Now file away your answer for just a few minutes. Jesus, of course, seemed to think that prayer uh, is not just that it was important, but that it was helpful to us. Uh, Even in those cases in which answers seem to be endlessly delayed, uh, like with the persistent widow, even in those cases where the supplicant, the prayer, needs to keep going back again and again and again, still Jesus encouraged us to pray through uh, the frustration and the delay. More on that in a second. Uh, Why don't we pray? Because we don't think prayer will be helpful. What makes us give up when we pray? How many of you have things that you pray for for extended periods of time? If you've been walking with Jesus in your life for any length of time, you probably have these things that you keep in prayer, that you pray for week after week, month after month, or maybe even year after year. Why, why do you give up? Why do you stop praying for it? Well, I mean, delay. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work over time. I think, I think that's, the, that's the killer. It doesn't seem to be delivering. And another reason you might give up is, is failure. You're praying for some outcome for a long period of time. You're praying for, for healing for a loved one who is sick. And you pray for healing for weeks, for months, maybe for years. And then the person dies, maybe dies horribly from the thing that you were trying to, to get them healing for. Failure, right? You don't get what you were praying for. And that's a powerful sort of life lesson. And that's the sort of lesson that can make you give up on prayer. I mean, Jesus says a lot of positive things about prayer in Scripture, but, you know, Scripture also says that God is God. And sometimes He won't give us exactly what we ask for because it just doesn't fit in His plan of goodness. Things are complicated. Maybe we don't see the whole picture. Uh, My favorite example of this comes from sort of a, a Uh, an autobiographical statement that Paul the Apostle makes. He's complaining about what he calls his thorn in the flesh. And a lot of people, you know about this? Paul's thorn in the flesh. And a lot of people theorize that Paul had a problem in his flesh, that he was physically sick. And when he said, oh God, deliver me from my thorn in the flesh, he was asking for healing from some physical sickness. That's almost certainly not the case. Thorn in the flesh was a a Jewish idiom, an expression uh, that meant something quite similar to our pain in the neck or pain in the akole. So he was praying, you know, Lord, take take away this pain in the backside that I have. And in context, he was probably talking about uh, these people referred to as the Judaizers. Paul would go plant a church. Paul would go bring some people into faith in Jesus. And then some a very religious uh, Jewish ministers would come to town and, and try to discredit Paul, try to say, oh, you've come to faith in Jesus, but what you really knew, need to do is to convert to Judaism and get circumcised and go to the temple and make sacrifices and, and just sort of crushing their, their faith with religion. And this was driving Paul nuts. All of his churches were getting ruined by these guys. And... Uh, one of these situations was the cause of his writing the letter 
to uh, the Galatians, for instance. The letter is all about this. Don't let these guys ruin you. Don't let these guys ruin you. And, and Paul was saying, look, I want these guys out of my life. I want them out of my world. I need you, God, to defeat these guys. I need you to take out my critics. Visit them with judgment. Smite them, O Lord, in, in, in love. You know, I imagine the prayer was something like that. And God famously answers and says, what? You know? My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. said, you know, yeah, I'm answering your prayer, but look, uh, you're preaching grace, which is, you know, sort of a, an improper generosity <laughs> when things work out even though they shouldn't. And so guess what, Paul? You get to be an example of grace. You get to just endure and be generous with these guys uh, who are so bothersome to you. That was probably the situation. God is God after all. And sometimes our prayers don't get a one-to-one -one answer, not exactly what we want. Let me tell you about my experience with prayer, just to be, just to be brutally honest with you. I find that, that prayer is super powerful and sometimes brutal. Heartbreaking. That's my experience with prayer. First of all, let me say about my prayer life, I pray a lot. I have prayed a lot since I was a little kid. I can say with a pretty high degree of confidence that I have prayed more, more intensely, more deeply for a longer period of time than almost anybody here. I'm, I'm a prayer guy. Uh, and I've been a prayer guy from, from early on. I have had some truly miraculous results from prayer like from spot prayers. I have, I have said prayers in crisis situations that have released literal miracles, like life-saving miracles, like healings, like near resurrections, those sorts of breakthroughs. Uh, we share a lot of healing stories uh, about this. You know, we've seen uh, cancer disappear. We've seen, you know, like paralyzed limbs get better. We've seen uh, uh, I had uh, one experience in a hospital where the doctors literally unplugged the machine and, and you know, said the death prayers and, and, and the woman got up and lived for another, uh, another four years, although she was quite elderly. Like life-saving miracles through prayer, okay? Prayer has been super effective uh, for me. Lots of testimonies. I've also had huge disappointments brutal, gut-punch disappointments. In fact, if I were being perfectly honest with you, I would say that most of my diamond-level prayers, you know what a diamond-level prayer is? A diamond-level prayer is like where you really, really care about it, and you invest a whole lot in it, a whole lot of time, maybe years of my life, those sorts of prayers. Most of my diamond-level prayers have ended in outrageous disappointment are being perfectly honest with you. Most of them, not all of them, not all of them by no means, but more than half have ended that way uh, and, uh, and have just, just crushed my heart uh, because my diamond level prayers are the things that I care a lot about, you know. Uh, now there are lots of lessons to be preached on this point. You know, what happens when you pray for something really hard and get disappointment. That in and of itself would be a, a powerful sermon. But, but I just want to make clear today, 
where it, where it hits me. And, and where it hits me is it just, it, just, it just slays me. I've had these soul-crunching experiences. And, and this is coming from a guy who's really made God his life, right? Who's really made prayer his life. So I want to be perfectly honest. Uh, what do I make of that? What do I make of that sort of experience? Well, I have this practical theory on prayer. Uh, I steal a bit of this from Jesus. But here it is. Praying relentlessly, praying intensely for a long time about something, even if it's unsuccessful, quote-unquote, empowers me to pray intensely for other things. So if I'm wrestling in prayer for years over a situation that I want to see, for a healing of a loved one or a deliverance of a loved one or, or some change of circumstance, if, I, if I'm keeping at it day after day, even if that turns out to be disappointing, the fact that I do it, the fact that I work out in prayer every day for years makes me fit and strong so that when I, on occasion, am in the hospital trying to heal the person who's about to die, I have that strength. That's why I get the miracle. Do you understand? My, my workout, even my workouts that end in failure, make me strong. Even though they end in failure, they provide me with a strength that allows me success when I do get success. Are you following me? There's a prayer fitness is what I'm saying. That's my, that's my practical theory. Uh, in a gym where you lift weights, have you guys ever been in a gym? I know there are some people that have been in a gym. Uh, fitness coaches will tell you that when you're, uh, when you're pumping iron, it's good oftentimes to work your muscle to failure. Are you familiar with that phrase? Work your muscle to failure. You know, do those bicep curls until you just can't go anymore. Muscle failure. As you can tell, I do that a lot. You know, just, uh, <clears throat> it's getting tight. Um, if you work your muscle to failure, then, then your fibers strain, they, they split a tiny, tiny bit, and that's actually what makes your muscle grow, you know? And, and I think there's something similar that could be said about our prayer muscle, pardon me for mixing all these metaphors. If you pray to failure, if you, if you pray persistently, if you go far enough that you actually start to break, that's where the strength comes from right there. That's where the serious strength comes from. Are you following me? And if you get that kind of serious strength, even though this isolated experience feels like a failure, then when it comes to, you know, athletic performances elsewhere in life, you'll have plenty of strength to pull it off. Following me? Get thee to a prayer gym. In other words, pray to failure. Great principle. Write that down. Wisdom to live by. But that wisdom doesn't necessarily motivate me to pray in the moment of crisis. Like when it comes to praying for something that I really care about, I, I don't want a, a philosophy of prayer fitness. I don't want a theology that, that encourages me to pray to failure. What do I want? I want success. 
right? If I need it, I, I need it. If I want it, I want it. If it's important to me, it's important to me. I want it to happen because I pray, because I, 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 I pray. Um, so it doesn't necessarily motivate me to pray in the moment of crisis, but it does motivate me to pray generally. You know, it might not help me when I'm praying for my loved one in that potentially heartbreaking moment, but it does motivate me when I get up in the morning to pray regularly, to work out, to do my workout. So I do. I work out. I pursue prayer fitness, which is really a sort of faith fitness when you think about it. In that parable of the persistent widow that I was describing uh, earlier, uh, Jesus you know, describes the situation. Here, there's this widow. She's being treated really unjustly. Her only recourse is to go to the local judge, the local magistrate, and say, hey, uh, give me relief from my oppressors. Fix my situations. Don't let people treat me like that. Right? And the judge is like, get away from me, lady. I don't have time for you. Get away from me, lady. Uh, I don't have time for you. But finally, he says, the judge relents because of her persistence. He just, he gives her justice just to get rid of her, you know. And vintage Jesus, you know, he's like, yeah, that's, that's how you need to pray. Pray until you think God might be sick of hearing from you. But then he says this, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. He will see that goodness happens to them, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, when, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? It's just a, a loaded way to end the teaching. What Jesus is saying here is that he's assuring us that some good response will always come from our persistent prayers. You know, he doesn't say it will necessarily be exactly what you want, but he, ju he does say that some justice will come to you. Some goodness will come to you whenever you pray persistently and intensely. Some goodness will come. So that's very motivating. I like that. You might not get exactly the goodness that you want, but you will release goodness into the situation. And God, who is the author of goodness, is pretty good at his job. So... It will be good goodness, not that lame sort of goodness that we often expect from God, but good goodness. So some good response will be forthcoming. But, it says, what will Jesus find when he comes to the earth? Uh, will he find faith? Right, there's sort of a, there's a warning in this. Like if, if there's something that you want and you're not praying for it, if there's something that you really want and you're not persistently praying for it, then you might lose your faith. And that's a really provocative point. Two thoughts to leave you with today. Thought number one, if you pray faithfully, something good will come from your prayers. If you, if you pray persistently, if you pray intensely, if you pray filled with faith, if you stick with it, Something good will come from your prayers. That seems to be a basic life lesson from the Bible. Not just like, you know, fitness will come, but no. Some good deliverable, some good item, some, some good response will come. 
if you pray persistently. Something good will happen along the lines of what you're praying for. Maybe not exactly what you're praying for, but along the lines of what you're praying for. Paul the Apostle said about these Judaizers, Judaizers Lord, just, can you just eliminate these pains in the butt? And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Just relax about that. However, in the long run, Paul's ministry was really successful. He's the greatest church planter of all time. He basically pioneered the whole theology of grace that these Judaizers were trying to kill. And you know what? Paul won in the long run. His spiritual movement, the one that he represented, the one that Christ gave to him, is, it, it, it kind of took over, you know? So Paul didn't get immediate relief, but he got an answer along the lines of what he was praying for, right? And that's, that's the sort of comfort, that's the sort of goodness that we can always expect from God. In the end, there will be some goodness because God is a little more inventive, creative than we are. God is good. And he will happily take the excuse of your prayers to release good along the lines of what you're praying for. He will find a way to do that. Or as, as Jesus says it, if your son asks for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? No. If you ask God for an egg because you're hungry, you know, he might not give you an egg. He might give you an omelet. It just takes a little longer to prepare. That's all. You know, or maybe not an omelet. Maybe he will give you a nice tofu scramble because you need to cut down on cholesterol. I don't know. I'm milking this metaphor for all that it's worth, but Jesus came up with a metaphor, so I feel entitled. Uh, secondly, if you pray consistently, your faith will never fail. And that's a great point to think about. If you pray consistently, then when the Son of Man returns, he will find faith on the earth. If you pray consistently, if you pray faithfully for something, maybe the greatest reward is that your faith is never going to fail you. I know a lot of people who have abandoned faith. And here's something that I can say about all of them. They abandoned prayer along the way. And that is a big part of what did them in. They stopped praying consistently. And so their faith stopped flowing. Are you in the middle of a faith crisis? I mean, like a real, a real faith crisis. Not, not, a, not a struggle, but like, wow, my faith. I'm not even sure I have any anymore. Uh, you probably stopped praying. Or at least you stopped praying faithfully, persistently, consistently. You've gotten weak. I don't know if that's an absolute certainty, but it's pretty high certainty. Life lessons from the Bible. Uh, the Bible teaches us to pray. Why? Well, it releases good things to you, and it releases goodness uh, to those for whom you pray. It may not release exactly what you pray for, but it will release a goodness along the lines of what you're praying for. That is a promise from God. That is a guarantee from Scripture. But, but maybe more importantly, why pray? Well, because it keeps your faith alive. And it makes it strong. 
even if you don't get exactly what you pray for, even if you experience brutal disappointments, if you pray persistently, you will become strong in faith. Even in failures. Even the failures will increase your, your, your faith strength. It may suck for you at the time, at that moment, but you'll get stronger as a result if you keep with it, if you, if you don't abandon it. I'll put it this way. It's hard for a praying person to be cold and cynical. It's hard for a person of prayer to be cold and cynical. It's hard for a person of prayer to drift away in their souls. Even if they're frustrated in prayer, it's hard for them to get cold and cynical if they do it well. If you don't pray, you are limited. If you don't pray, you are restricted as a human being. If you don't pray, you're certainly restricted as a supernatural person. There's only, there's only so far you can go uh, if you don't pray. The good released to you will be more limited than it would be if you prayed. That's pretty much a guarantee. You're limiting the good that God can release to you if, if you fail to pray consistently. You're a far weaker person than you would be if you prayed consistently. You're not buff. Uh, you're going to look like a spiritual weakling to those who have eyes to see it. You want to settle for that? You want to be limited and, and weak, or you want to be supernatural? I think that's what prayer is about, largely. Prayer is kind of the most basic building block to supernatural living. It gets your head out of the world. It gets your head into heaven. It's making space for God to do something in the here and now. And you have got to have prayer fitness if you want to have faith fitness, if you want to play supernaturally in life. So, let's pray. Uh, Father God, help us to pray and to not give up. Uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we repent of prayerlessness. Uh, we repent of abandoning the attempt. We repent of settling for coldness and cynicism and weakness. We choose supernatural living, faith, and strength. Help us to pray and to not give up. And Lord God, open our prayer conversations with you. I just want to encourage you uh, this morning, if uh, you're, in that, you're in that place of, you've been in that, in that place of, of, uh, of faithlessness, you don't even know if you have any faith, uh, it's very clear that one of the great ways to get a faith relationship started with God is to pray. So if that's you, if you're in that distant place, not connected to God, then just pray. Pray with me this morning. Father God, let your kingdom come to my life.
Take me, Lord. Talk to me. Give me faith. I ask for good things, knowing you won't give me bad ones in return. Here I am, Lord. Make me a supernatural person. Forgive me of my sins, and I'm going to forgive other people of theirs. Make it all clean, Lord. Provide for me the things that I need. I've been struggling with some things, but I let the struggle go and simply ask for your provision. I'm going to turn away from tempting circumstances with your help, God, and I'm going to live a different life. This is what I pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.